Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, alcoholics of all ages, welcome to the yet 18th episode of These Walls Could Talk. I'm your host and resident alcoholic, Dougie Fresh. Go grab a snack, juice, pop, or as I like to call it, the champagne of waters, Perrier. We'll get the show on the road shortly. Sit back, hang tight. Yes, that was Sunday Best by Surfaces. You can find that song on Spotify like I did. And I found that song inspirational along my road to recovery. But um, I would like to remind everyone, wherever you are in the world listening, wherever you are, that I do not speak for Alcoholics Anonymous, neither do any of my guests. We are simply sharing our experience, strength, and hope in the hope that it reaches the practicing and still suffering alcoholic. But if you need to talk to somebody and it's urgent, please don't hesitate to contact AA's head office wherever you are. Now, let's start the show. Question, why do we get sober? Is it because there's no time like the present? Is it because everyone's making changes? Is it because we are tired of being sick and tired? Will it provide us with mental clarity? Is it because we're sorry and we mean it? Is it because we know we can do better? Or will it provide financial stability? Will it improve our self-esteem and give us respect? Will it inspire others and finally help us find happiness? Is it because we want to live? Or is it because we know we owe it to ourselves? I guess if we really thought about it, there are a million reasons why we get sober, and probably a million reasons why it takes us so long to get sober. I often wonder if it takes us so long, or for that matter, if it took me so long, because of what sober really means. When you Google the word sober, I'll be honest, it's not very inspiring definition. Sober means not drunk, sad quiet, and sometimes too serious. See what I mean? I think we can all agree that we don't get sober to be sad, quiet, or serious. I think it's because we realize that there is more to life than drinking. Once again, you may be wondering why I'm having this conversation. Well, I heard an interesting quote not too long ago 
about our reasons for sobriety. And to dive a little deeper into this, we're going to talk to a very good friend of mine, Brad. Brad, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, Doug. Thanks for having me on. Great. Uh, great. I'm glad you're here. Can you tell the uh, listening audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am an alcoholic in recovery. Um, I got sober August 27, 2015. Um, I am 49 years old, which puts me on my sober date at 44. So I took a long time to get sober. Um, my drinking started back when I was 13. So I had in excess of three decades of some serious drinking. Um, and I always like to start out with saying, you know, not every, uh, not every alcoholic has trauma from their childhood, but I do. And not every person that uh, has trauma in the childhood, uh, becomes an alcoholic, but I did. Um, so even though I had sips of beer, uh, from my dad, you know, early on, I, I never really tasted the, the sting or the, the, the pleasure of an alcohol buzz until I turned 13 when my friend taught me how to mix vodka with orange juice mm. and as soon as i could as soon as i could stomach the flavor of vodka uh and then have it enough of it to get the the warmth of, of alcohol the buzz that hug that i never received before um that escape from fear that escape from the the shame from the trauma of my childhood um i was hooked immediately and i should have known right away that i was i was different but I, I felt like it was the escape that everyone should have. And even my friends, when I was a kid, they, they, they all thought I was a little bit weird. They never understood why I drank. They never understood why I drank so much. Um, my nickname, even before high school, was Alki because I was the kid that brought booze to school. Um, I was the kid that would steal a bottle of liquor from his parents' uh, garage, um, drink three quarters of that bottle of whiskey before he got to the party. That way I didn't have to worry about standing in line at the keg for, for all that all that time to get that cheap beer. Um, I was already good and drunk before I even got to the party. Um, so that was that was me in early drinking. I, I, I started hard and I started heavy and I kept it going. Uh, and despite periods of sobriety, all that really did, you know, not, not necessarily for sobriety, it's a periods of not drinking so much. Uh, you know, when I went to college and such, um, I, I slowed things down a little bit. But all that really did was was convince me uh, in, incorrectly that I could moderate when I wanted to, that I could control it when I wanted to. Um, the problem is when life wasn't so good, um, when when stressors happened, when fear happened, when change happened, when whatever happened, I turned to booze. My good old buddy, my, my nice warm comfort blanket, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so, uh, as I got a little older, um, you know, I kept using alcohol as, as my coping mechanism, um, despite uh, a successful career, despite a successful marriage, despite living on the, on the coast in San Diego, California, with an, a view of the ocean, uh, my alcohol definitely controlled my life. I was that person that really couldn't go anywhere unless booze was involved and if it wasn't like what was the point of going um and then i was the, always the person that would drink before so that i so that my friends didn't know how much i was drinking uh i would out drink everybody while i was there and then i would continue drinking when i got home mm. um so i i, I kept going and, and it wasn't uh no no amount of life events could have convinced me that i had a problem um 
my wife bringing stuff up to me wasn't convincing me I had a problem. My friends bringing stuff up to me wasn't convincing me I had a problem. My first bout of pancreatitis uh, didn't convince me I had a problem. My elevated liver enzymes from my doctor didn't convince me I had a problem. My depression didn't convince me I had a problem. Um, you know, basically quitting my job, working, you know, pretending to work from home so that I could sit at the bar and drink all day didn't convince me I had a problem. Um, getting my car repossessed because I could no longer pay the bills didn't convince me I had a problem. Um, my wife leaving me didn't convince me I had a problem. <laughs> my second bout of pancreatitis didn't convince me I had a problem. Mm. Um, after my second bout of pancreatitis, sitting in the hospital, uh, the doctor telling me that if I didn't go to the hospital that day, which was August 25th, 2017, if I didn't go to the hospital that day, I likely would have died. So the old saying, uh, you know, your, your, um, my sobriety date could very likely have been the date on my tombstone. That is absolutely true for me. Um, you know, when I sat, when I was sitting there on the couch on August, the morning of August 25th, 2017, um, excuse me. Yeah, 2015. Gosh, August 27, 2015. I can't even get my sober day right. 2015. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so I'm sitting there on the couch, and I know pancreatitis is coming because I can feel it. I've had it before. Um, you know, I literally wanted to die. I didn't have a reason to live in, in my mind. Um, and so I, what got me up from that couch uh, at the time, I couldn't answer that question to you. What got me off, off that couch and drove me to the airport, I couldn't tell you. But I ended up driving myself to the airport, the, the hospital. Uh, what, so I drove myself to the hospital. Can't tell you why, at least at the time. Um, while I'm in the hospital, they're telling me I need to go to rehab. The only reason why I agree, agreed to go to rehab was because my ex-wife's insurance would pay for it. And it meant 30 days of free room and board because I was about to be evicted. But mm -hmm. I still didn't have a problem. Um, when I got into rehab, uh, you know, I'm looking at everybody else in there thinking, wow, these people are all messed up. They have problems, but I don't, I had no intention of getting sober. I had no intention of staying sober. Um, but it was like maybe day three of rehab. Um, and by the way, day two of rehab, I'm still going through DTs and I'm basically, I'm literally crapping my pants as I'm standing at the nurse's station. Um, and people are looking at me like, dude, what's wrong with you? And I, I still don't have a problem. Right. So day three, I'm sitting in one of those morning group, uh, group sessions and we're doing a morning check-in and the counselor tells us as we're going around the circle, like, okay, give me a number one to five. Tell me how you're doing. Um, so, you know, the guy sitting across from me goes, well, I'm about a four this morning. I slept pretty good last night and I, I feel pretty, I feel pretty good. And I remember sitting across from him, staring at him with this, this wonder and awe like he just talked about the holy grail to me like he just said he had a good night's sleep he feels pretty good and he's on number four i'm like how do you get that i need what you have dude like how do you like and that's when it hit me like how desperate am i that sitting in that circle having someone tell me that they had a good night's sleep and they feel pretty good that that like looks like the unattainable holy grail to me hmm. That's when I realized that I was desperate and I needed recovery and I needed to be sober. And that's when I decided to dig in um, and start hearing the message. Hmm. So that's kind of where that's where my sober journey started. Um, from that point, I uh, I basically started from rock bottom. 
Um, I mean, I literally had nothing. I, my health was in shambles. Um, I had no job. I had no money. I had no car. Uh, I had $12 in my pocket. That was it. And that $12, I know because if I, the next, I was planning on going to the liquor store, uh, that day. And I know that a handle of vodka and a two liter bottle of soda came out to $11 and change. And I had a 10 and two one. So I wouldn't be that, um, gross, uh, bum that had to dump change on the counter. I had folding money and that was, that was important to me. So that's why I know I had $12 in my pocket. Um, so when I sat there looking at that person, like, you know, I want what you have. I want that. That's when I started realizing that the quote came later. Um, I got sober because I wanted a better life. That was the start of it right there. I, I basically had nowhere to go, but up. I wanted a better life. I finally felt like I was deserving of a better life and I wanted it. Um, so that's when I started digging in to, to get sober. I felt like it was achievable. I felt like I had hope. Um, so people say, well, how do you stay sober? A lot of work, but I stay sober mainly because I found that better life and now I want to keep it. So that's why my quote is, um, I, I got sober because I wanted a better life. I stay sober because I found a better life. Um, the wanting a better life actually had to come from recognizing that I had a bad life. It had to come from recognizing that a better life was attainable and it had to come from a recognition that uh, a better life was deserved. I mean, I felt so bad about myself that I didn't feel like I deserved a better life, even if one was attainable, which I didn't believe one was attainable. So when I came to that recognition that not only was it attainable, but I deserved it, that's when I knew I could dig in and I could do some work and I can make this happen. Um, and through that work and through dedication, through listening to others, uh, whether it was the counselors in the rehab, whether it was the other addicts in the rehab, whether it was going to my program of recovery, going to my meetings, listening to sponsor, reading books, um, all of that sunk in and I started to pay attention. I started to do the work uh, and I started to build that better life. Um, so I literally, when I left that rehab, I had absolutely nothing, you know, all the stuff from my old home was, was gone. Um, I had a duffel bag of clothes and a TV and that was it. I literally had nothing else. My ex-wife gave me her old car, which could barely run. Um, but I, I took that and I started to build a life. My old job took me back, um, because of, they saw that I was doing the work. They knew I was going to rehab. They knew I was working the uh, program. Uh, so they took me back and I was able to start working and earning money, uh, rebuilding some trust with them, rebuilding some credit with paying off bills. Um, and a couple of years later, uh, you know, working through uh, my program and working with others, I was, I learned that my old career wasn't even, wasn't even enough for me anymore. It, it was paying a lot of money, but it wasn't satisfying me enough. I now wanted more. I wanted more inner satisfaction rather than that external satisfaction of a paycheck. Um, so that's when a couple of years ago I decided to go back to school and get my master's degree in, in substance abuse counseling, um, because I want to work with other alcoholics and addicts in recovery. I want to help people see the light that I, I saw. I want to help people understand that recovery is not only possible, but you are a person who deserves it. 
Um, and so I, I graduate with my master's degree in July. And uh, for the last few months, I've been working as an intern as a substance abuse counselor. So I'm actually uh, boots on the ground in the field, working with people in recovery, not only through my program of, of Alcoholics Anonymous, but uh, also through um, my actual professional career of a substance abuse counselor. Um, and this is the life that I wanted to achieve. And, and, you know, it no longer matters what my paycheck is. Now what matters is my satisfaction of helping other people in recovery. That's, and that's my story. That's that's amazing, Brad. Um, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, I'm not going to go into your quote because you basically uh, weaved your quote into your story, which is, which is amazing. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna repeat your quote so the listeners, um, in case they forgot it. Um, you know, you said I got sober because I wanted a better life. I stayed sober because I found one, and it sounds like you found a really good life today, Brad. So kudos to you, brother. Um, you know, uh, do you want to give a special shout out uh, before uh, I let you go to a very special somebody yeah. today? Yeah, absolutely. Today happens to be Mother's Day, and I will be seeing my mother in just a couple of hours, having lunch with her and some other members of the family. So, Mom, happy Mother's Day, and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. <laughs> That's awesome, Brad. Uh, listen, I want to thank you for being on the show today and uh, sharing your experience, strength, and hope with everybody, and uh, enjoy that uh, nice weather you got out there, and uh, keep on the sober side, my friend. Great. Thanks so much, Doug. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow. You know, I <laughs> I say every single week that the stories just get better and better, but they, they do. And, you know, these messages of hope are just um, amazing to me to listen to somebody uh, where they were to where they are now. Um, you know, it's, it just blows my mind. And I'm so happy for for Brad and, uh, and much success to him um, going forward in his uh, future. Um, you know, so um, I want to ask, uh, so what's your why? Uh, we always hear about the inevitable rock bottom, but a word to the wise, you don't have to hit rock bottom to come back, to come back up. If you're feeling down and out, now is the time to seek support. At the end of the day, our lists are long for why we enter the rooms of AA. And you know, and you know what? That's okay, because we sought and are seeking support. That better life that Brad talked about is out there for each and every one of us. Some days it might seem like we'll never find it, but trust me, it's out there waiting for you. All you have to do is ask for help and let the sun shine in. Once again, I'd like to thank Brad for joining me today on the 18th episode with These Walls Could Talk. If you would like to follow me on Instagram and follow my sober journey, you can do so by going to uh, Doug Matthews 4, um, all lowercase. Um, again, it's, it's Mother's Day. I'm doing this on Mother's Day. So I'd like to say happy Mother's Day to all of the fantastic mothers out there and to all the fantastic dog moms. Um, so uh, may you guys have a fantastic, awesome day. Happy Mother's Day. Thanks again, Brad, for coming on the show tonight. Put a smile on your face. Better yet, put a smile on somebody else's face. They couldn't eat it. Peace and love from the Great White North. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for joining me again. See you next week.